0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line
1: without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTmobile.com. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's Sports Station the three two pitch half drives one in the air right center field had a good sound get out the tape measure long gone Ian Hap driving one over the right center field fence one of his longer home runs in this park ever And the Cubs have a four to two lead here's a deep drive to left this ball's got a chance Welcome back to the Cubs lineup, Seiya Suzuki. Cubs lead 5-2 to two as they go back-to-back back here in the eighth inning. And he drives it deep to left. And we're tied. Sometimes you just got to hit home runs. Oscar Colas tries to win it. And he will. And that'll be over, Sontag. What a win for the White
2: Sox. 7-6 and 10. For him, we're your host, Matt Spiegel.
1: Morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. What's going on? It's Sunday. Chicago is a strange and wonderful place. Yesterday felt like August and today feels like November. What are we doing? We've chosen to live here. Some, some days you're like, why? But then the next day you're like, oh yeah, that's why. I mean, yesterday was gorgeous. I don't know about you. Ended the day with uh, a beverage on the balcony, on the balcony couch was just starting to get a little bit cold, grabbed that blanket, and all was well as we put, my wife and I, the thoughts of the Dodgers walk-off in the rearview mirror. But I am ready to bring those thoughts back to the fore, along with the White Sox walk-off from yesterday afternoon. Lots of baseball to discuss in our unique two-team town. That's what we do here on a Sunday morning. You know that. It's me, Speaks, with Sean Sears here the associate producer is here as well, ready to screen your calls, uh, should you be bold and, and strong enough to dial the phone number, which is 312-644-6767. That is the scores uh, listener line. And if you want to text, you can do the very same thing at that very same number. The text zone is brought to you by Rosenhande of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at Rosenhande.com. Here's what's going on. In one hour, the reigning baseball Bigfoot in Chicago, that would be Paul Sullivan of the Chicago Tribune, will join us. Um, Sully is I, – I love Sully. He is. He's just – he's so very Sully, isn't he? And the baseball Bigfoot, I don't know if that's a thing. Elsewhere, I know it's a thing here because I learned it from Terry Boers when I was but a young intern and then a producer for Terry Boers and Dan McNeil years and years ago. Boers used to refer to Dave Van Dyke as the baseball Bigfoot. Before that, Jerome Holtzman was the baseball Bigfoot. Like whoever it might be, the reigning elder statesman columnist on all things baseball gets the Bigfoot moniker. And I, I, for one, I'm going to do my part to propagate that term because it makes me giggle. Sully will join us in one hour. At 1040, the great Chris Kamka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, will join us. At 1120, um, Aram Layton from Just Baseball. Is it Aram or Aram? I think it's Aram. Aram Layton from Just Baseball. He just put out his top 100 prospects. And we'll dig into that. There's some Cubs. There's some White Sox in that top 100. He's just a great guy to talk young baseball players with, as well as other things around baseball as well. In fact, there's a matchup in Miami today. Sandy Alcantara versus Zach Gallen. They were both traded for by the Marlins in the same deal. They traded away Marcelo Zuna to the St. Louis Cardinals and got Alcantara and Zach Gallen. And earlier in that year, they had traded away a reliever named David Phelps and got Pablo Lopez, who's now the ace for the Minnesota Twins. The Marlins this past offseason used Lopez to trade him away to get Luis Arise, who's hitting 5-11. He's hitting over five hundred right now, Luis Rice. He didn't even start last night, but they brought him in to pinch hit, and he hit the game winner. ha <laughs> Man, and, and I'll tell you, Zach Gallen, who the Marlins had, they traded him away for Jazz Chisholm. So, you know, there are smart front offices out there, even if you don't think they work for your favorite team. Is this where I segue to the White Sox? I think I have to. Boy, the White Sox roster construction is just so awkward. Jake Berger should be playing more because he will hit a lot of home runs if he plays. But where does he play? Right now he plays third base for Joan Moncada, who's hurt. But he sure doesn't play it well. But he's got to be out there. He's a DH. They got a lot of DHs, as you know. The roster construction is bumpy. It is awkward. And the hitters do some things that you really just don't want them to do. For instance, the White Sox are dead last in ground ball rate in the American League as a team. They still chase out of the strike zone a lot. They had a good start offensively, and I was singing their praises with some of that even just a week ago. And they put up seven runs and got the win yesterday. I know. But, man, the Friday night game where they're up 3 nothing and then, uh, bullpen f- falls apart with a lot of walks, a lot of walks again from the bullpen. And Adley Rutschman is suddenly up 4-3. to It is, is a rough go on Friday night, and then the Sox just didn't have it in them to do much offensively after that. Yesterday they were 0-9 for 9 with runners in scoring position for the first nine innings of the game. And then in the 10th they got three hits with runners in scoring position. So that was the best time to do it. And they did it. So look, they got to win. They're three games under five hundred, right? White Sox, three games under five hundred right now. It's six and nine. And they trail Cleveland. They trail Minnesota. It's early to even look at the standings, of course. You could argue it's silly to look at the standings, of course. Because if you did, you'd see that the Diamondbacks are leading the National League West. So you know it's early and odd and strange. But... I worry about this White Sox offense quite a bit. We'll talk about it along the way. As always, you know that your phone calls are not merely welcome. They are elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. The 312-644-6767. We need to talk about what happened, though, late in that Cubs game. It, it was a, a fascinating game. one nothing was the score forever. Jamison Tyone, again, a little bit of a bumpy start, but then he settled in, took steps forward. He felt better about it. He should. Interesting to see the middle closer getting utilized there. That would be Mark Leiter, Jr. First arm out of the bullpen in a one-run game in L.A. is Mark Leiter, Jr., and he gets the job done. Then Keegan Thompson is terrific for two innings through 28 pitches. He does not come out for the ninth, which I have no problem with. His longest stint on the year is 32 pitches, okay? He was at 28 David Ross was asked about that part of it after the game. Did you think about bringing Keegan out for the third inning? No. I, I don't have a problem with that. Michael Fulmers, your guys, your closer, you want to save Keegan for multiple, uh, multiple times. You'll use him. He was a little wild. I, I know there are some who thought Keegan should have come out for a third inning. I was, I was not among them. What I did think is when runners were on second and third, And Jason Hayward is at the plate. That's the first time I thought, walk him, load the bases. Is this not standard boilerplate protocol when the winning run is already at second base, when it's already in scoring position? Don't you then set up the possible double play as well as the possible force out at home? We all know the play. There's contact anywhere. The catcher stands at home plate like he's the first baseman. And he just kind of extends the mitt. And all he's got to do is make the catch. There's no tag because there's a force out everywhere. That's a much easier way to stop the tying run from scoring. They didn't do it with Hayward because they thought they could get him. And they did get him. Okay. All right. Good job. You, you have now struck out Jason Hayward. You still have second and third. Lead run is at second. First base is open. The hitter is David Peralta, who is a journeyman. He's basically a a league average left-handed hitter and outfielder. Not having a great start to the year, but he's not playing a ton because they have a lot of pieces that they rotate in. But Michael Fulmer ends up pitching to David Peralta, and there's a big reason, there's multiple reasons why David Ross should have walked him, in my opinion, and put him on. I just talked about the force out. But also the next batter is Austin Barnes. Anybody know what Austin Barnes is on the season? Sean, do you know what he is on the season? I think he's like over? For... He's over for 17. Yeah, yeah. With one walk, Austin Barnes is a defensive catcher who Clayton Kershaw loves. Others love too. He's been there forever. I remember that Austin Barnes was taking starts from Yasmani Grandal in the playoffs because they didn't trust Grandal's defense. But Austin Barnes is not somebody to fear at all at the plate, as well as the righty-righty matchup. And here's the thing. Will Smith, the excellent second catcher for the Dodgers, he's really their first catcher, he missed this game as well as the game before it after a day off. And after the game, Dave Roberts said, yeah, we'll probably have to make a move there. We'll obviously have to make a move there. You got to know that Will Smith is not available. And frankly, even if you are afraid that Will Smith is going to come out and pinch hit for Austin Barnes, you still walk Peralta. You should still walk Peralta. Set up your force out everywhere. Think about it. A great play by one of your stud middle infielders defensively on a dive. All he has to do is flip it over to second to get that force out ball game over. That, that's why you do it. I, I kind of don't even care if Will Smith is available. But him not being available? Well, then that's brutal because they don't have any other catchers. So, yeah, Chris Taylor's on that bench. Trace Thompson is on that bench. Both of them could have pinch hit for Austin Barnes, but there is no third catcher on that roster. Frankly, that's an easy one. Here's David Ross talking about pitching to Peralta last night.
0: This is just to pitch around him, walk in Barnes. They've got some pinch hitters on the bench. You know, who knows what Will Smith is and and where he's at. You know, we can guess on that all day long. But trying to, you got an open base, trying to be careful. And he jumped a jumped a cutter. It looked like from the from the get go, found a hole.
1: Okay, what what was that about Will Smith? What, what what did he say? Who knows?
0: Uh, who knows what Will Smith is and and uh, where he's at? Um, you know we can guess on that all day long, but
1: oh, Dave, yeah, we can guess on that all day long. But I'm telling you, uh, I I I'm I'm telling you that even if Will Smith might be available, you still got to walk David Peralta. And if there's any way at all for you to know what we found out after that, Will Smith was hanging around. In the clubhouse, but there was no chance he was going to play in that game. I mean, maybe Ross just didn't know, but I think it's still worth the chance, man. It is still worth the chance. Force their hand. You want Fulmer versus Will Smith with the bases loaded, or you want Fulmer versus Peralta with a base open? The idea was to have Michael Fulmer pitch around David Peralta and give him the I'm not walking you, but I might just walk you kind of thing. Here's, uh, uh, here's Michael Fulmer talking about the at-bat.
2: We started him off. only threw him one pitch the time before, and it was a cutter in. He rolled it over to second base, so we thought we'd start there again and just didn't get far enough inside. You know, I feel like last year it may may have been an out with the shift and stuff, but you know this year just got through the hole. Just need to make a, a better pitch next time.
1: I'm going to go ahead and not feel bad for you that it would have been an out with the shift on. I, I can't. If, if Because there is no shift. What are we, 15 games in? 16 games in? There, there's, there's no shift. I understand what you're saying. You feel good. You got a ground ball. I get it. But that pitch had way too much of the plate. Because it seems the message to pitch around him didn't necessarily get through. And that concerns me as well. I don't know whether to call that a full-on miscommunication or just you got to make it clear. you got to make it super clear to Michael Fulmer. Let Peralta get himself out. Don't give him too much of the plate. Here's one more of uh, Fulmer talking about the at-bat.
2: Yeah, it was definitely, uh, definitely a mistake. You had a base open. I'm not sure who was on deck, but had all the room in the world to work with on the inner half. And you know, even if he's sitting on that pitch from last time, still can execute a little, little better and yeah, either get a, a take, ball one, or, or a rollover. Just didn't work out.
1: So, look, that's a bad loss. Now, granted, Cubs had the bases loaded in the eighth with one out, and Ian Happ hitting right-handed looked brutal um, against the lefty. And then Suzuki struck out, too. So neither of them – I mean, make some contact with, with the bases loaded and one out. Make a little contact. And so they could not add to it. And that's tough. I think, say, I had two check swing strikeouts in that game yesterday. Yeah, yes. After after homering the night before as part of the five-home run barrage, Jan Gomes, of course, leading all Chicago catchers in home runs. Just like we thought. You know, there's a bet. One of the bets that we made on Parkins and Spiegel, just for fun, we made a whole bunch of bets Uh, before the season began, Cubs versus Sox bets. Home runs by the catchers. Home runs by the catchers. so, And, and you're thinking, that's ridiculous. Grondola and Zavala should destroy Gomes and Barnhart with no Contreras. You kidding me? Cubs had more last year with Contreras, obviously. White Sox had very few homers from the catcher last year. Right now, Cubs catchers have four and White Sox catchers have three. But anyway, to me, that was an easy one, and I don't, really get it if I'm missing something on this please feel free to tell me at 312-644-6767 we're going to throw open the phone lines right now and we're going to talk with you about whatever you'd like regarding the Cubs the White Sox and the world of baseball at large this White Sox roster construction is top of mind for me I like Pedro Graffoli he gave a long dissertation on strategy, moving runners over, bunting yesterday. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, but I, it, it's, there's just, it's just very weird options, big piles of DHs in, in every direction. So let's, let's discuss that. And then that Cubs loss. One texter saying, I can't be mad that Cubs pitching was great. That's cool. Good for you. You do you. Now that Say is back, the lineup is more exciting. It is a unique two-team town. I love being in it and talking about it with you. Let's uh, dial it up and get involved here on Hit and Run. We'll talk some Jackie Robinson next hour. We'll take a look at the leaders at some point later on this hour because it's a Sunday morning. We'll pretend that the newspaper is all we have just for a moment. And we will take your phone calls and your texts.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by
1: Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. And hit and run with me, Matt Spiegel, on 670 The Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run
2: with Matt Spiegel.
1: The base runner at second in for Eloy. And the batter is Grandal, and he hits a slicer, left field, that ball's going to get down, and we're tied, and Grandal's got a double. Yasmani Grandal, hot-blooded this year. That was a, a little weird bloop, but that works. I think Stoney said he couldn't have thrown it out there any better. Which uh, I always enjoy the visual of the batters standing there in the box. Like, all right, we try to throw it out there perfectly. That would have worked very, very well. White Sox win yesterday by the score of 7-6. to six. And Michael Kopech um, got through five innings yesterday. And then the bullpen had some, some odd moments. Bullpen has not been good. More bothersome than the bullpen to me is the continued lack of a bulk reliever philosophy in any way, shape, or form. Like, everybody's a one-inning person. Um, Everybody warms up and throws multiple times in every series as opposed to a couple of guys being available for bulk usage it's not the 80s in terms of long relief anymore. I've talked about it ad nauseum, but my goodness, if somebody's rolling, let him roll. And I know that might, in your mind, go against what I just said about Keegan Thompson, but Keegan Thompson does that all the time, two innings at least. Every once in a while, he'll do three if he's being efficient. If he's walking guys, he won't, like he did in yesterday. But for the White Sox, man, it's just one guy after another guy after another guy. Hey, maybe Kendall Graveman has it today. Oh, he doesn't. That's troublesome. All right, let's use Ronaldo Lopez uh, today in the sixth. Tomorrow we'll use him in the ninth, and that's fine. I'm cool with using your best guys in your highest leverage. I'm totally cool with that. But man, get with the times and go bulk a little bit. Let's talk to you at three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Dave is in displays and is first up on Hit and Run. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Welcome, Hi. Hey. Um, we talked last weekend. Uh... Speaks, yes.
0: But uh, I want to bring up the job construction. The I want to know the teams that have the good constructions, besides Tampa Bay and Indians.
2: And
1: uh, you're talking about good roster construction. There's that, that'd be a fun thing to look at overall. To look at the uh, the overall roster constructions. Tampa Bay, uh, Houston, uh, Cleveland, as you mentioned, the Guardians. What I'm looking for are really useful players all the way to the bottom of the roster. What I'm looking for are, are players who are good defensively, hopefully at multiple positions, or at least solid enough defensively that you feel okay. Like, I know... That if somebody needs to go play right field for Tampa, they've got people who can do it. They've got folks who can do it. Somebody needs to go play right field as a backup for Houston. They've got people that can do it. The White Sox don't have a backup right fielder. There is nobody on the roster. Now that Pedro Grafal has seen Gavin Sheets out there and lived through it, I would hope he doesn't do it again but he might have to. I'd sooner see Eloy Jimenez out in right field than I would Gavin Sheets. That's an easy one. And we all know what Eloy can look like sometimes on defense. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about now. I mean, there's so many DHS on the white Sox, and it's understandable that Andrew Vaughn is a DH or a first baseman. Okay. So he's locked and loaded there. He should be a good enough hitter that, he makes that worthwhile. Jake Berger, Jake Berger might be a better DH and a better bat to trust than Eloy Jimenez right now. I saw that, uh, that 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 people are 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 now bringing up again the idea of possibly trading Eloy Jimenez. And I, I mean, I understand. Like, I you look at this roster and it gets it gets very frustrating because. You don't have a backup uh, right fielder you can trust. Your backup center fielder is probably Oscar Colas. Um, and in terms of playing second base, you've got Lenin Sosa up here now, and he should be playing an awful lot. But you've got folks hurt, too. Without T.A. and without Moncada, you're, you're very, very thin. But that'd be fun to look at You know the very best roster constructions around MLB. It's a fair ask for, uh, for me to do that. This is Ron on the South Side on six seventy. The score, hey Ron, what's happening?
2: Hey, good morning, speaker. You know, last week kind of threw me off a little. You said that it uh, funny. You said that uh, Guillito is the Sox fifth starter. I said, well, if that's going to be the case, he's going to have to have a very, very disappointing season, hmm. or either Clevenger and
1: oh, we just lost Ron because I think somebody hit a button over there. Uh, Mike, hang on. So some, somebody hit a button. We'll get there's, 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 there's Ron back. Well, I'll put him on hold and I'll put him on. There he is. Ron, you're back, sir. It's happening.
2: Yeah. Okay. And you know, going into the season, the one person I was concerned about was, was Pick. I thought Clevenger would be okay for number five. And so far he's pretty good. So, and again, we know it's early, but, uh, Cannot was giving you a little assessment, uh, particularly on the owner uh, with Clevenger and uh Kopech, to me still uh throws a, a lot of balls. You know, the command is not there, but he's he's getting it up to about ninety eight. But uh and maybe just even talk about um Giolito at at, at at this point. So G- okay, speak.
1: Thanks, Ron. Giolito was real good the other night. Um his first real good start of the year, talked to Stoney about it on Friday, who said that he just executed a lot better, kept the ball uh, where he needed to get, hit his spots a lot more. And um, yeah, you know, that, that, that was a great start for Giolito throwing to Zavala. Kopeck is Kopech's an interesting one, man. Now that the tipping has been kind of um, found and hopefully put back under control, it's a matter of him hitting his spots. And he has not been hitting his spots enough. I did see some numbers today. He bears down with runners on base and does indeed limit damage when guys are on. Keeps the numbers down. And that's, that's good to see. I'm still a believer in his stuff, obviously, very much. Uh, I'm a believer in his makeup as well. But it's a, of, uh, it's a matter of control for that guy. And Clevenger was real good the other night made a really gross choice for his walk-up song. A truly disgusting, arrogant, and ugly choice for his walk-up song that, frankly, I haven't been able to get out of my head. It's um, Anybody who doesn't know, Mike Clevenger chose Gold Digger by Kanye West as his walk-up song as a song that he came out to pitch to and he was uh, involved in a litigation that went through MLB where he and his accuser were trying to sort out what had happened in a civil um, disagreement. There were allegations of abuse that she continues to stand by. Those allegations could not be proven. And you guys probably remember, guys and girls probably remember, MLB ruled that he would not face suspension. Within the ruling, he was assigned some community service and assigned some therapy. And there was not, like, overt and obvious culpability claimed in the agreement But she completely stands by it. And what it seems to have been is a very volatile, unsafe relationship where things got ugly and it devolved into a he said, she said. Clevenger choosing to spike the ball on her with gold digger. Is freaking gross. The White Sox allowing that to happen as his walk-up music choice is really, really embarrassing. At, at, At best, it's a shameful oversight. At worst, it's willingly empowering a ball spike. A vindictive and gross dunk by a guy after a very ugly relationship and a damaged woman and a damaged family with where there are kids who are not being cared for as best they can be. You can catch that. That is something you as an organization can control. And it it, it was really, really disappointing and embarrassing to see that. On Friday night. Um, I know that our producer for Parkinson Spiegel asked the White Sox for comment, asked the PR department for White Sox for comment, and they declined to comment. So that's not them admitting anything in particular. That is not um, them acknowledging anything in particular. But it leaves those of us in the media, that declining of comment leaves those of us in the media... Uh, No choice to call it for what we think it is. And I personally think it is a disgusting and embarrassing choice that was allowed to happen. And it's kind of like defense, right? There are certain things you can control. Kind of like effort. There are certain things you can control. And I think with a guy like that, you should probably be paying attention to any choices that he makes when the public uh, sphere is what it is. For that particular person should be paying uh, attention to any sort of aesthetic choices that might be made, any sort of cultural choices that might be made, any sort of statement that will be made intentionally or not. Um, For those who don't know, Clevenger was asked about the song choice after the game, and he asked the person who asked the question, he said, quote, are you a music producer? No, I'd be happy to answer a baseball question. And to that I say, we talk about walk-up songs all the time. They are a very fun and personal choice. And no matter who it is, whether it's Starlin Castro's music that becomes Anthony Rizzo's music and sweeps uh, an entire fan base, whether it's Kyle Hendricks coming out to Sweet Emotion and all of the people thinking about Dazed and Confused, I mean, what, whatever it is for either team for any team we talk about walk-up songs all the time and no we are not music producers i know plenty of those though so you know it could be an option i just go grab one of those for comment back to the phone lines we go this is kevin and palatine on 670 the score hey kevin
2: hey good morning speaks and uh great comment with your uh your last, uh, your last thing there. So, two two questions for you, Ethan Katz. Yeah, this guy he gets talked about like he is. You know, he he he's unbelievable. This team is walking an insane amount of people. So, if, if he's going to get the praise when he turns around, one or two guys, he also has to take the uh, he has to take the stick when it's not going well. But I also want to ask you a question. I really want you to ask Sully this, please. Okay. Rick Hahn is becoming snarkier and snarkier. <laughs> For a man who has never proved anything, he literally said he, – he accused the media the other day of seeking out angry White Sox fans because everyone he talks to – he gave the George McCaskey. I walk around in the loft before kickoff, and everyone loves the Bears. He basically said the other day that the media is going out of their way to find angry Sox fans because everyone he talks to is super excited about the plan. It's insane. <laughs> Rick Hahn isn't good at his job, and he built another ho- – you guys called it his off season plan was health. That's the dumbest thing ever. And your comment about Jake Berger, Bernstein brought it up the other day and Lawrence got extremely upset. These are just facts. Eloy Jimenez is a five war player over the last five years. He averages one war a year and we literally treat him like he is Mike Trout (laughs) and it's insane. But please ask Sully about that because I think Rick Hahn liked that walk up song. And I think oh no 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 to- no!
1: You you don't you don't know that we can't. Thanks for the call, Kevin. Appreciate you. Um, I, I understand your 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 feelings about the team, and I saw those saw those Han quotes, and I saw them not taken very well. Um, it's early in the year for it to feel pessimistic, and for it to feel so samey for the White Sox. It's a win yesterday. They're six and nine. There are things, good things to talk about, including the pitching of Mike Clevenger, the pitching of, uh, of, of, of Lucas Giolito his last time out. It's Dylan Cease today. That's one of the best pitchers in the American League. There are good things to talk about. Luis Robert is off to a great start. I wish Moncada was healthy. Gr- Grandal, offensively, and for the most part defensively, although he did allow a pass ball um, yesterday. But Grandall offensively, is looking really very, very solid. Andrew Vaughn is on pace for like 70 doubles, something like that. I know there have not been homers yet, but those homers will come for Andrew Vaughn. He's a very good hitter. There are things to feel positive about. But as a GM, you probably got to understand that you have a fan base that has been kicked in the rocks the last two years. And especially all of last year. And while you may not have been doing the kicking, you are still the face of the kicker. You know, you're still, you're still the guy out there. So there are fans that are negative. I work with several of them. And not just because they happen to be media guys. Nobody loves the White Sox and wants them to succeed more than Chris Tannehill. Nobody. Maybe Shane Reardon. I mean, it's just like the two of them. Can he uh, update that tattoo from last year, Shane? Oh boy, that was a bad idea. Well, oh, what a good story! It's a good story, though. He's a great producer. For anybody for who doesn't know, Shane uh, Shane got a tattoo when it, uh, well, I think they were were they four games down? Four games down. I think it was two like weeks a, to go, yeah, something you know, like, like two that. Two and a half weeks left. He's like, this is going to motivate him. He uh-huh. got a tattoo that said Chicago White Sox, twenty twenty two American League Central champions. Just gotta change that too. To a three? Maybe a four? I don't know. Do you just leave it at two until you can officially change it to something else? I mean, that's what I would do. So but maybe it's a f- Maybe it's like a five. Yeah. Something like that. We'll see. We're taking your phone calls at 312-644-6767. Paul Sullivan at the top of the hour. Chris Kampka, one hour from now. It's Matt Spiegel with you here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Baseball is back, and so is
0: MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
1: Go hit and run with Matt Spiegel.
2: In the air, center field. Bellinger back, back some more, near the wall. Jumps and he made the catch. He stole a homer from Hayward. Cody Bellinger, what a play. Whoa, indeed. Whoa,
1: indeed, says the Boog person. Cody Bellinger with a home run steal off Jason Hayward. Look at all the confluence of of, uh, crossover between the Cubs and the Dodgers last night. It was crazy. More on that in a second. But um, first, you said there were multiple calls that were pretty good of the Cody Bellinger home run steal. That was a really good catch last night. Wasn't it, Ruben? You were watching it, too. You saw it with me. That definitely would have been a home run. And it was stolen away. Uh, Play me the best one. Play me the one you like the best, Sean Sears.
2: He lifts a fly ball to center field that sends Bellinger back onto the track. At the wall. Bellinger brings it back. A robbery from Cody Bellinger. Taking a home run away from the guy that he's traded places with. He, he's getting booed, and he's holding out his arms like, really? Ah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing, this sport. Right on top of your Ken Griffey
1: Jr. story with Jason Hayward. and then- That's awesome. That's Joe Davis. I don't know what the Ken Griffey Jr. story was, but... Because I didn't hear that part before, but that's a great call. Because that gives you the full context of what's going on here. Bellinger swaps places with Hayward. This is the series where we get to measure them up against each other, right? And um, Hayward's hitting the ball pretty well. Hit that one real well. Bellinger steals it, and then the fans boo after cheering for him like crazy the night before and in his first at-bat last night as well. So they boo. And he's throwing his arms wide, like, what's going on here? Here's Cody Bellinger first, talking about the catch. He said he timed his jump perfectly. Bellinger said he timed his jump perfectly, and it's obvious that he did. Sometimes like it can look like a home run steal, and it's not quite a home run steal. It's a little bit in front of the plate, but this one was a full-on bit of thievery. It was
0: good. I knew I was going to have a chance on it off the bat. Just one of those where just kind of want to read where the wall is and then time up your jump. It was one of those where I feel like I didn't have to climb on the wall. And so I just, you know,
2: got to the wall as smooth as I could. And then uh, just timed the jump up.
1: And then Bellinger talking about all the banter with the LA fans in the outfield all series yeah. long.
2: Yeah, it was, it
1: was cool. And I think it was all out of love. I enjoyed the moment, you know, there's a lot of banter going on in the outfield between us these last few games. And I'm just having a blast just, being out there and, you know, just enjoying it. So you got Bellinger robbing Hayward. Shelby Miller is on that team. Trace Thompson is on that team. Oh, there's the pitching coach, Mark Pryor, on that team. Ross, David Ross and Dave Roberts were teammates with the Dodgers when Ross came up as a rookie. And the old heads that were tutoring David Ross and kind of, you know, Welcoming him into baseball and showing him the ropes were Dave Roberts, Adrian Beltre, and Sean Green. Those are the guys that, that, that Ross kind of learned from in L.A. Roberts is also good friends with Jed Hoyer from his time in Boston, because remember, Roberts was there. He's the guy who stole the base against Mariano Rivera. So there's it, it, the crazy confluence of, um, of crossover between the Dodgers and the Cubs Everywhere last night. Let's take a couple more phone calls before we take a break and bring in Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune. This is Dylan in Milwaukee on 670 The Score. Hello, Dylan. What's up? How are you?
2: Hey, Spiegel. Good morning. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. Yeah. So, um I guess I had a question sort of of what your opinion about Michael Fulmer was in terms of the tra- trajectory of this team. So, I, I think people are still, like, thinking that this is maybe a tweener, maybe win now, get in the wild card, you know, great year. But as the Cubs keep winning series, as they've done thus far, and I know it's a long way, do you think that David Ross is going to manage sort of his back end of the bullpen in a sense, like, hey, let's just feel the process out and see who these guys are? Or as we get more into it, it's more like, Hey, we need to win games, so if you're not doing the job, you're going to not be in those positions.
1: Um interesting. I think Fulmer was definitely told he was going to get some save opportunities. You know, I think I think I, I don't I don't think he was assured of it necessarily, but I think he also makes the most sense. Fulmer and Boxberger, Brad Boxberger will be the two guys I would think um as as guys who were told, yeah, you'll be you'll be late innings, and you might get some saves. Um, and remember, Fulmer's a free agent signee, came a little bit later, and when an arm like that, who's kind of working his way into this other part of his career as a reliever, signs, he's he's probably told that kind of thing. And I'm okay with it. Like, I mean, Fulmer has, has, has good stuff, and is learning to to be that guy. Um, and I'm okay with it, especially because I don't like Keegan Thompson there. I mean, it sounds like you're having some thoughts about some other folks there. We'll see. I mean, if he continues to to struggle, then yeah, I'm sure everything's on the table in terms of uh, in terms of what to do. But I, I like that there's a real veteran option there doing it as opposed to Rowan Wick trying to find himself or something like that. I'll tell you what's going to be very interesting is when Cody Hoyer comes back, we'll see what kind of health there is and how much giddy-up is on his stuff after Tommy John. That, that is a serious, serious possible closer arm right there. So once he gets added, and added into the mix, um, that might change things uh, a little bit. Let's talk to Ben in Queens on the score. Hello, Ben. Good morning. Good morning, Spiggs. Always great to talk to
0: Ruben. You know, I'm that adult that actually asked him about his piano. I just go, oh, you playing piano? Oh, that's nice. Next. No, I actually asked him about the left hand. How you doing? <laughs> great to talk to him, as always. Anyway, um, listen, congratulations to our good friend Wayne Randazzo for having escaped baseball purgatory, which is the collar man for the Mets broadcast, because working with Howie Rose is impossible. He doesn't get... Doesn't let anybody talk. I used to listen to Wayne Randazzo on Inside the Clubhouse. I was like, Oh look, he speaks again. He was able to get a word in edgewise. Wow. So anyway, I'm and I'm watching Wayne Randazzo. Why? Because I'm gonna be a one man echo chamber. You know the proverbial boog shambi, people are talking. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. People I do. are talking. People are saying oh you know, New Yorkers People are saying New Yorkers are calling up Chicago talking about some Japanese guy out in Los Angeles. I want Shohei Otani on the Cubs. Please bring him. You know the sweeper, the new pitch that everybody's talking about? Yes. He's got the best one. Of I'm he looking is. at the StatCast page right here. I can't believe it. He's thrown 148 sweepers. 50% of his pitches are the sweeper. Uh-huh. He's worth. Last year, he on the fan graphs, he was worth $30 million just as a hitter, and he was worth something like $35 million as a pitcher. Sign this guy on a three-, four-year deal, $80 million a year. Make it pretty. Get him here. Anyway, <laughs> I want to talk about the Commissioner's Initiative. I'm calling the Commission-ish. Uh, they're giving out uh, tickets to baseball games. We went on Wednesday, and, you know, here we school off with PASIC and with uh, – Greek Orthodox and with Easter. We got it all here in New York, right? Yeah. So we went out to the they got to the game on Wednesday. Man, there were thirty-four and a half thousand people there. It was beautiful. There were kids there. I took one of my friend my my son's friends who had never been to a baseball game. It was like the best thing he had ever seen in his life. And I wanna say one thing. Wow. I saw the Juan Soto the Juan Soto home run in the first inning, yeah. which was an, amazing. It took off If Jesse Rogers, if there were ever a perfect description for a towering line drive, that was it.
1: That's George Hoffman. I'm not going to let you put that on Jesse. Jesse's the one who asked Antonio Alfonseca how long he had had six fingers on each hand, and Alfonseca said, all my life. But George Hoffman is the one who called it a towering line drive. You do not put that on Jesse. Jesse is the one who said that I believe it was Greg Maddox had the most leverage in the history of leverage. And I really wanted to find the coffee table book, The History of Leverage. Because, man, I would read that. Here's what we did to uh, raise a building off the ground, you know? Like, uh, but anyway, you don't put towering line drive on anybody but George Offman. George Offman also once said that the White Sox are in Texas tonight. Wilson Alvarez is on the pill. And he meant on the hill or takes the pill, which is an old baseball thing. But he said Wilson Alvarez is on the pill. And God, I wish we could find that one. I I don't think it's findable. But man, that's one of my favorites of all times. Thanks for the call, Ben. Thanks for spraying all fields. I got some numbers for you a little bit later on in the hour uh, next hour, about the game, about the New Deal. I'm calling it the New Deal with all respect to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I think this might be almost as important, these new rules that Theo Epstein and the commissioner's office are bringing out. And look, the New Deal, everything worked together. The EPA worked with the WPA, which worked with the, the FDA. Was that a New Deal? one? I don't know. Um, but there's a lot. And they all had three initials, okay? Some had four initials. I know, I took history. Talked to my dad a few times in my life. Anyway, now we're rolling. Now it's a radio show. Paul Sullivan from the Tribune joins us next on Hit and Run. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours